Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Goal Hour podcast. Okay, so just just as a little background before I, we even start talking, we currently rushed this just this whole episode very quickly. We're, we weren't even on planning on like doing recording this episode right now, but we just decided to. It is currently 10 p.m. on the uh, 3rd of February. Uh, just just so you have a standard of, of when we are. And yeah, absolutely. That's, a, that's an interesting context. But um, as a quick preview before he goes on, my name is Jared Johnston. I am Camilo Yepes. The gold bird of <laughs> Columbia. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm famous for. Um, but if you just watch soccer today, or Man football. U versus Southampton, 9-0 thumping. Absolutely amazing. Plenty, plenty more in store. Um, Camilo, you just get with whatever you want to get going with on the start. Okay, here. so let's start out with um. Uh, okay, since this just happened, this is the most recent thing I saw. Yeah. Uh, background information. I am a Colombian, or my family is. So you know, I support. Oh yeah, that's Colombia. a good idea. Yeah, 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 yeah I support Colombia. So uh. We got this player who plays for Brighton. He was born in London, but he represents Colombia on an international level. His name is uh, Alzate. I think he's 20 years old or 22 years old, something like that. First name, Steven. First name, Steven. Last name, Alzate. And uh, he's a bit of a chav, the guy. Love him. Good old scamp. And he scored his first Premier League goal. Yeah, it's been amazing for Alzate. Amazing start for him. It's, but I was gonna say something about what just while you were prefacing Alizate, we should probably give ourselves background oh, of who right. you're a fan of, who your biases are, okay, okay, and who you lean towards when we cover all of this. You're right, you're right. Oh. Yeah, I think I'm looking at like if I'm in the Premier League, and this is Jared Johnson here, of course. If I'm watching the Premier League. I like watching Leicester. I like watching underdogs, really. So, Leicester City, they have some great underrated players. Class manager and Brendan Rodgers, a new practice facility. Competing for top four is something James Madison has always wanted as well with the club. He signed a five-year extension last, I think, in the winter, just before the winter transfer window ended last season. Obviously, with COVID, it gets a little weird. But... Leicester's a really great team to watch, of course. My co-host Camilla loves watching Spurs, so I do watch that. Sonny's a great player on Spurs. Oh, Son. Harry Kane. All Harry Kane, all you need to say is Harry Kane. <laughs> but, um, and then, of course, of course, uh, <laughs> it's not really enough course, but John Stone's a resurgence of his career after getting transferred from Everton to Man City. Sitting the bench for Pep. I personally think Pep is an overrated manager. But looking at what he's done with John Stones and Ruben Dias getting that transfer in has been absolutely amazing. So I give them all the credit. Still won't be a Man City fan because I think that's plastic. I think it's just oil money. But I give all the credit to John Stones turning his career around. Oh, and I, in the Italian oh, League, go ahead. Sorry, I, I got to say two things. I got to yeah. say two things. We should just yeah. preface on this podcast, we mostly just talk about world football. 
but it's mostly yeah. going to be about the the big five leagues in Europe. And then also, I wanted to say, uh, for me, before you before you get started on the Italian league, I just want to start with yeah. my uh, my things in the English Premier League. I'm yeah. a big Tottenham fan, big Tottenham fan, you know, big Tottenham guy. Uh, but I also like to watch Brighton sometimes, and uh, since I'm Colombian, I just support all the teams with Colombians on them. So Everton, Brighton, Tottenham, but I'm I'm mostly just a Tottenham fan. Yeah, so pretty much just a Tottenham fan, and he also supports every single Colombian. It's amazing. Even Jefferson Lamra with Bournemouth in the championship. Yeah, I'm just like, I literally go to the UK. And then I I watch the championship games because you can't watch them in the U.S. So I just have to go to the yeah. U.K. to watch them. That's how much I support my Colombian lads. Yeah, you know what's on my bucket list to go to League Two Leiden Orient home game for their American owner, Kent Teague, uh, supports the team. So the culture in England, what an amazing culture to just be there, whether it's Wembley Stadium for the FA Cup final or go to Old Trafford with 80,000 fans in an expanded ground still in the works as well. It's just the culture around it, it's just the people that follow the sport. And and you're talking you about big... to the NFL, it's just... Yeah, go you're, ahead. You're talking about big things. Let's just... I, I just want to say one thing. Go to, yeah. go to the Stadium of Light in League One. Oh, yeah. The atmosphere there is still going to be amazing, insane. Well, obviously, we're we're in lockdown right now and there isn't much atmosphere, but... Besides that. Yeah, Sunderland. Sunderland Till I Die is the least I got to say about Sunderland. Sunderland Till I, I mean, Die, yeah. A, cl- a club that you see mid-table, maybe even challenging for Europe. Look at present-day Southampton, and now they're in League One and financial ruin. But a club with tons of history. There are plenty of clubs like that. And when you look at that, just the culture around it, it's, it just feels so real. But um, going on to the city, uh, my... Uh, my allegiances go to Atalanta, Bergamasco Calcio, which is located in Bergamo, Lombardy province of Italy. I really started supporting Atalanta when they qualified for the top four in their previous season. And I was just looking at the team and I'm like, okay, this is interesting. When I watch Italian soccer when I was like 10, the thing that I remember most about Italian soccer was when Christian Abbiati was playing for AC Milan. And Alexandre Pateau was playing against Barca, and they scored. Or maybe it was Chelsea. It's one of those two, and they, he scored in eight seconds. But now I fast forward, and I'm watching Atalanta, and I watch Giampiero Gasperini coach this side. And what fascinates me are the tactics, the way they play, the way they make a lot out of a little in terms of their transfer budget and their wages and all the players and being able to create a culture. So I really enjoy that. Atalanta and Bergamo, an hour away from Milan. They're in the Champions League mount. Now we're going to talk about that a little later. So I'm really excited to be like, not really jumping on a bandwagon, but like being a part of that fan group and that subculture of Italian football. Then lastly, well, second to last, I'll just get real quick so you can go, Camillo. But um, support Borussia Dortmund, the feeder club to Bayern Munich oh, hey, let's in go. Germany. <laughs> just because no, they have Gio Reyna, they had Pulisic, but also just because, like, if you want to support German football, you don't want to support Bayern. It just makes you look like a bandwagon. 
Dortmund's got the next best chance at winning the Bundesliga, so that's where I went naturally. And then in the Spanish league, in La Liga, I went for Atletico de Madrid. I just really liked the way, similar to how Gas, well, really Gasparini and Simeone are polar opposite managers, but I like the way, in a similar sense, that they're able to just use their tactics to help players buy into a system and create something great. So evidently, we'll tune into that later. They're first in the league right now, doing great things. Um, but yeah, those are my allegiances, my biases, but try to keep it uh, neutral, but you'll see sometimes when I really want to back an underrated player or my favorite team might come out at some point. All right, well, getting on with me, the the most important person here. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, as I said before, I support Spurs. Uh, I'm a I'm a Spurs till I die boy. But mm-hmm. then, if I go to Italy, the team I'll be supporting will most likely be Atalanta. As said before, they have a lot of Colombians. Yeah. So, you know, they I'm got, just going to support them. If you want to name drop them, Duvan Zapata, tremendous goal scorer. Well, Luis Muriel off the bench. Johan Mojica was loaned out, but now he ultimately oh, well. couldn't get playing time. But, um, yeah, really great guys in that team. Yeah, and uh, but I also sometimes, unfortunately, it's a deep secret I've been keeping from people. I do sort of half support Juve as well. Because of McKenny and Quadrado. That's fair, though. Yeah. But uh, if I were to, to go to Germany, I'd, again, I'd support Borussia Dortmund as well. Because of that whole American, you know, that I'm, uh, the Americans in there. I also really like Jaden Sancho and uh, Erling Braut Haaland. So, oh, good, good name drop right there. Great yeah. player. Love that guy. And then... Yeah. uh. To be honest, in, in Spain, I don't really have anyone I support. Um, you know what's crazy to think about right now? I'm going to ask you. Do you support anyone in the League 1 Greece League? Uh, not really. So I completely forgot about it because it's always made fun of as a Farmers League, but they got some competitive teams in the title race right now, of course. I'd argue. Leon got to the semifinals of the UCL last year, but I just don't really watch I just don't really watch the French league. I'll I'll give you a, something to chew on, okay? Yeah, go ahead. I rather support FC Porto in the Primera League. I Liga. I I'm not sure how you pronounce it. I support them probably more than I support any Ligoon clubs. Yeah, in the Portuguese league? Yeah. Wasn't that the Liga Nos? Yeah, something like that. Um, but you could also call it the Primera Liga in Portuguese. So I support Porto probably more than I support any French team. So Porto's my French team. <laughs> yeah, so that pretty much sums it up for some allegiances. I guess if that ever comes up in future shows, you'll see why. But um, moving on to the good bits, I guess. Premier League, a lot of people watch that in the US of A. And a crazy match today. Really 9-0 final score for Man U and Southampton. I mean, that is I wasn't even the... watching this game. And I saw the score and I was astounded by the result. 
I I think that that is the biggest defeat or, or just the biggest like defeat in a Premier League game. Yeah, that was actually tied Man with United tied their own record. I think yeah. maybe another team was up there as well. But the yeah, last time that they Southampton got there also was got defeated. Alex Ferguson. Yeah, it was a. Uh... And... Another record where Southampton got defeated, and as I would you said guess before, like Liverpool or Man City or something. Yeah, so I'd it was assume like two so. years ago or something. I'd assume. Oh no, it was Leicester. I just remembered. Oh wow, what a game! It was Leicester beating Leicester. Southampton nine zero. <laughs> but yeah, crazy crazy result for Ole. Remember people rumoring Ole getting sacked at the beginning of the season with inconsistent form or even through just the COVID window. And you people have People saying, rumors. give him time, give him time. But then you look at the rumors of Frank Lampard with Roman Abramovich and he's going to pull the trigger at any moment at that point. So, But yeah, great result for Man United. Like, But at this point, I'm a Man United hater. I've kind of always have been since they kind of descended into mediocrity after losing Sir Alex. Yeah, to Which be honest. Started off... Yeah, go ahead. I've I've hated Man United for probably since birth. Just actually no, I've I've hated Man United since Cristiano's left. <laughs> Bro, that's a long time. Yeah, but I, I don't was know. I six. just I can't really explain a lot of it, but because you look at the team now and you say, okay. Luke Shaw, Southampton product. It's getting back into form after years of injuries. AWB, the transfer coming in. Lindelof and Maguire is why I think they aren't legit. That's why I don't think they'll challenge. Man City right now has one game in hand, and they're up three points at the table with 47. But if, even if you substitute one of the three, but Maguire's the captain, so he doesn't come out. So Maguire, Lindelof, Bailly. Yeah, they're good players, but they're nowhere near the elite level that Man City has in the back. And I just think that that's their biggest problem, a lack of speed and sometimes a lack of awareness from their captain, Maguire, which for sometimes the only reason I think he's the captain is because of that $80 million price tag. So, But aside from that, you go up and look at Rashford, Martial, who's been very inconsistent, Cavani, is a great player, great striker for Uruguay, but he's getting old, so you can't just rely on Bruno Fernandes to create stuff along with Marcus Rashford, so that's why I don't think they're really going to challenge. I think in the coming weeks, they're going to really peel off and really descend away from the title race, and, and also- when you look under them, Leicester City is close, but I just don't see anyone getting close to Man City in the form they're in right now. I, I have two things to tell you. I just don't think Man United is in the... I don't think their their club is just has the atmosphere right now that yeah, will but... allow them to go into a good form to actually pass or surpass Man City's form. I mean, the amount of drama in that club with... Just the the uh, Pogba issues. I don't know. <laughs> well, that sounds like something Roy Keane or Graham Souness would say. But touching off of Roy Keane, I mean, like when you look at 
well, he was talking about the club probably like a week or two ago and how this is their best chance to get a title. Look at a Liverpool riddled by injuries. Now they're in fourth place and dropping after a loss to Brighton. And we'll get had- to that in a minute. But like, I just, this is their best chance. And still, they're not good enough. I think they got a ways to go, a ways to rebuild. Get some young blood in there. They got the transfer from Atalanta and Ahmad Diallo, but I think they need to hire from within to really get going. But in summary, they're not going to win the title. They just don't have enough. And I... You had two big names at the beginning of the season, or, or two clubs going insane at the beginning of the season. You had Everton, who didn't yeah. lose like their first six games or something. They they kept winning until they faced Liverpool. And you also had Tottenham after them. Who were doing who were top of the league for a while there. And I wanna say Chelsea was up there at the beginning of the season, weren't they? Yeah, I think they got to like either second, third, or fourth. Yeah. But if and... you're talking about two teams that have also gotten into the top of the league at one point, <laughs> kind of a surprise. Twelfth place Southampton was at the top of the league. With 29 points, nearly like three weeks ago, and they still stand at 29 points. So Ralph Hasenhutl is 27 points. My bad. Or what Obviously is it, 27? Tw- tied twice. No, it's 20, 21, 21. Well, through 21 no, matches. No, I played. can't read. I can't read. You're right. You're right. 29. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was looking at the goal difference. Or yeah, looking the at the goals for. Like, yeah, I'm I think the other club that got up there was Leicester City. A great young... Like, if you're Man United and looking at Slabhead on defense and Maguire, and then you look at Wesley Fofana for Leicester City, doing bits for them, really. But they got up to the top of the table, but they lost Jamie Vardy to a sports hernia. They don't really have that much depth, being the club that they are, kind of in a transition phase. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't think that Man City will relinquish or let go of this lead they have right now. Not as big as Atletico has in La Liga, but they have a pretty commanding presence up there at the top of the table. I'd, I'd argue the closest club you, you could argue that could combat Man City would be Liverpool or even... I hate to say it, but like West Hammer Everton. <laughs> West Hammer I'm... Everton could go second and third just by the way that Man United and, and City are right now. Uh, Leicester City, Honestly, I mean. Yeah, if you ask the question, what's stopping West Ham United London, as it says on their logo from their new branding and ownership, what is stopping them? I mean, they got Suchek <laughs> in the window, who's been great for us, Declan Rice, so... Being the Czech man that he is, Suchek, they got rice and potatoes holding up the midfield. <laughs> Fabianski has been great in goal. And Mikel Antonio, not really a striker. He's more of a winger, but he's adapted to that role for David Moyes. And I just said, what's stopping them? But what's stopping them is once they lose Mikel Antonio to injury, if that happens. They don't have depth. If they lose one guy, they will lose their run of form. They've won four out of the last five. And... It's really a great run for them to get into this top five, maybe even further with Liverpool on a dip. But on a West Ham, note, I mean, hope for the best for them because, like, it's great to see new clubs break into the top. Sorry for interrupting you. I keep doing that, but uh, no, that's good. On a West Ham note, 
Jesse Lingard just made his debut today, scoring two goals that were, I, I watched the game uh, and I saw the two goals, and I would say it was a very good debut for him. But I mean, very were, good two goals. I mean, I heard the first one was a little bit of. I'd I'd argue on. he should have the goalie should have saved both of them. Mm-hmm. I I would say that, but still a very good performance nonetheless. And I well, think David if Lingard Moyes. can actually, I know it's been one game, but if Lingard yeah. can keep that going with West Ham, I could see West Ham being a Champions League contender. Well, it's kind it's kind of crazy to think about it, but. Like, Virgil van Dijk's probably not going to come back for the rest of the season. Joel Matip got an ankle ligament injury, and I know how it is. It's terrible, because I still have an ankle where I tore my ligament on probably the outside cruciate ligament, and it's not fully healed after five to six months. So, like, you look at what Matip has. It's an injury where you can walk on it just fine, but once you get running, turning, Twisting every which way, you just can't get the job done. So for Matip, he's out the entire season. It's another center back gone, of course, and then Joe Gomez still out. But he might come back on the season. So looking at Liverpool, really, I don't think that they'll come back from all their defensive struggles. So like West Ham does have a chance. Jesse Lingard, what you say is realistic in all honesty. I mean, he had great form with Man U just being in a creative role and like getting to West Ham allows him to like be free of all the pressure of playing for such a big club for Man United all the standards of being such a great young talent gone out the window the man's 28 years old I mean if he was trending to where he was in his earlier years he should be challenging for an England spot and that's something that David Moyes insisted post game to really motivate him and like you said the possibilities are endless for David Moyes, and West Ham, if they can keep Jesse Lingard going. And, of course, the fuel in the engine coming from Rice and Suchek steadying West Ham, they could be a potential suitor for that top four. Yeah. No, definitely. But I know, yeah. It's it's scary to think about. Uh, (laughs) as As a Tottenham fan, it's scary to think about that the London club that is going to be in the top four is West Ham. That could be in the top four is West Ham. Uh, maybe if yep. Chelsea find f- form with their, uh, with their new coach, or manager, excuse me, with their new manager, if, if Chelsea yeah. can actually find a, a run of form, I just feel like it's, it's still... It's still too late for them to actually become title contenders. Yeah, like, even if Chelsea went on, like, think the unexpected, like, there's 21 matches, 22 matches, no, 21, sorry, (laughs) we both can't read. 21 matches played for Chelsea, and there's 38. So, assume they win 17 straight. Right now, they are 14 points behind, so they're four games behind. They'd have to get Man City to lose at least, like, six matches to try to get in there. And, like, they're tied right now with Tottenham, who has a game in hand, and I just don't see Chelsea coming back. But I do see realistic chances for Carlo Ancelotti's Everton and for West Ham as well. So, really and, interesting and, title And race. you do see Tottenham in there, too. Yeah, you do see Tottenham in there. 
Yeah, I see them with their <laughs> plus one goals difference over Chelsea, that's for sure. No, but they're also, uh, they will only play 20 games. It's a big yeah, thing. that's true. Yeah, but that's uh, big for them. I think the problem with Spurs right now is they rely on, on Son and Kane right now too much. And Kane injured right now. It's it's not looking good. We lost against yeah. Brighton uh, 1-0. Which, Liverpool has the same problem, but you know. Uh, it's, it's very worrying to see... Tottenham's a, a mid-league table, or a, a mid-table team that's that, that have always finished top eight around. But when you really think about it, without Harry Kane, without Son, they're, they're a, a mid-table team. Yeah, and it's really weird to think about from my perspective, because I'm like, they had a pretty solid transfer window considering all of the uh all of the challenges from COVID-19 losing the Champions League and dropping so low Daniel Levy had a lot of challenges freeing up funds but in my opinion they did pretty well bringing in transfers uh Jose brought in Steven Bergwijn from PSV as a winger of course I they got he... Gareth Bale Sergio Reguilon and the last guy I'm going to mention Carlos Vinicius, and before they had those guys, like, they were starved for depth. So, like, I felt that they improved that a little bit. And to see them not to produ- producing right now is a little bit worrisome in some respects, I would expect, from a Spurs fan. Yes. But even then, we are above Arsenal. That's good. <laughs> it's the but, only trophy that matters. Honestly, we get made fun of by Arsenal fans and just other fans. Like, ah, you don't have trophies. But for how many years now have we been finishing above Arsenal? They also have the Audi Cup. Can't discount really that. Matter. Yeah. But it doesn't really matter because I can't hear you all the way down there, Arsenal. <laughs> and that's a good note to uh, continue on to the Italian league. Serie yeah. just like... Premier League, but City in more recent years has been really competitive, especially last year. They Juventus still won the title, but there were teams that were creeping in. They clinched Milan, the title, you might say. Yeah, Milan, well, yeah, Milan wasn't there. Inter was close. Juventus obviously was up there. Lazio got in second. Atalanta was in fourth, and they qualified for the Champions League. Are you talking about League. last year? Yeah, but then you look at now. No, last year, last year was, it was. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. Oh, okay. Uh, it was Juve, Inter, Atalanta, and Lazio. Ah, uh, so uh, Lazio dropped yeah. from second. Yeah, yeah, it was. Okay. Uh, it was a swap between Inter, and Lazio. All right, but like you look at the top of the table now for the city, and it's. The same teams, but completely changed. The volatility in the league of who's challenging is kind of crazy. Lazio jumped up with five wins in their past five to get to sixth. Juventus in fourth place with a game in hand. And AC Milan still running strong with Zlatan. So, I mean, I just love watching the Serie A now, turning on those games. Their, their offside and handball rules are a little bit weird, but like, 
aside from that, tons of goal scoring, tons of free-flowing football, new ideas from new managers. And I mean, yeah. for me personally, of course, watching Atalanta, I like it. I don't know what you think about the rest of the matches, but you know, it's a pretty great just, league to watch. Even just watching like a Parma game or something is still entertaining, which I love Parma. We'll always love Parma. Um, but last year... 2019-2020 uh, season, Juve won by one point. And, and they were... They barely clinched the title, I'd argue. So I'd say it is just starting to become a, a competitive league again. Well, yeah, like, Juve too has an amazing team. But, like, you... You could either criticize Juve or the coaching or the players they I'd honestly, let go or brought in, or you could give some credit to the teams that have gone above them. So I don't know which way you go with it. For me, for me, it's honestly just I I think Pirlo could have done better, but I also think that both the Milan's and Roma are doing very well. Yeah, I mean, they brought in a lot of like. At least for AC Milan, a lot of experience. And Terebic has, of course, been great on the season. Mandzukic yeah. is coming in as a surprise transfer to Milan. I mean, great for him to be in a title race with Champions League, uh, Champions League contention in the ring. But um, Napoli also doing good. I know someone who's a Napoli fan. But when you talk about Parma and other games that are just fun to watch, Sassuolo in eighth place. That's what I respect about teams. How long uh, has it been since Milan have qualified for Champions League? Well, obviously, AC Milan you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, AC Milan, excuse me. I wouldn't know, to be honest. I mean, it pops up automatically in this Google search right here. <laughs> so their, there's their latest entry, of course, was the 2020-2021 Europa League. Because I think last year, you can correct me if I'm wrong, they finished in 7th place. Either 7th yes. place or 6th place. And they got qualifiers. Which means that Napoli was ahead of them, but won the Coppa Italia. So the next best place qualifies for the... Gets like a chance to qualify for the European Cup. But... Honestly, I would guess that it's been like at least 5 years since they got to the Champions League. Probably longer, because they did have that year where they were in tenth. That happened, yeah. It says they twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen. Yeah. They got to the round of sixteen. They lost to Atletico Madrid, which I think that might have been one of the years that they went. Atletico went all the way. If not, that was later than that. But yeah, AC Milan is back the only question for them in the future is would this be just like a one thing like a one-time thing or would they have enough youth talent to sustain this growth that they've received of course i mean if you look on the defense you talk about sandro tonali and you talk about gianluigi donnarumma in goals outstanding keeper great young find they got there to come up through the ranks but um I don't know what their future holds. I mean, but right now it's just fun watching the ride. Inter Milan, on the other hand, tremendous talent on that squad for Antonio Conte. 
And then Juventus, of course, has a ton of great players. But they even have right now, players. Weston McKennie. Weston McKennie yeah. is a shout. Got to talk about Americans him. tearing it up. Roma just got... Um, I don't follow the MLS, so I don't know all the American players that transfer out. Oh, Brian Reynolds. Oh, Brian Reynolds. I swear that's the correct name. Let's look. Brian Reynolds from Texas. Yes. Saw the press release yesterday, so. This is true, yeah, from uh, FC Dallas. Yeah, so they got another great right back in the Italian league. Sergio Desk, namely another great outside back playing for Barcelona. What a great guy to be there. You also but, have um, uh, Conrad De La Fuente, also playing for Barcelona, just on their B yeah. team, though. Yeah, everyone forgets about him, but, you know, got to give him a shout sometimes. Oh, yeah, good kid. A lot of potential. So, like, just wanted to, we when we were discussing the pre-show, we just wanted to touch on the Italian league because of how volatile the table is and all the great teams that have been introduced and come up through the ranks to challenge for the title. I mean, when more matches get played and for future episodes, we'll talk a little bit more about it. Right now, Milan holding steady at the top of the table. But moving into the Bundesliga, this was something you were interested in, Camille, the DFB Polkau. I'm sure you have more on that right now. Well, I was just, uh, I didn't watch the full thing, but I, I caught the Dortmund game against a League 2 team, or whatever it's called in the Bundesliga. Oh, were they playing, um, I think, Paderborn? Or was that Bayern? Uh, ye- uh, yeah, it was Paderborn, I think, yeah. Yeah, Paderborn got relegated from the Bundesliga last year. One uh, thing I respected, though, is that they played out of the back and played through their system, even though oh, they yeah. lost. But go on then. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they they scored two right in the first half, like first twenty minutes, and then uh, Paderborn actually makes it, comes back, scores at the seventy ninth minute, and then Paderborn makes a penalty on the ninetieth minute with seven minutes of extra time on the seventh ninety <clears throat> seventh minute. Mm-hmm. They score a penalty, and then Holland. Scores a goal, but it's counted offsides. Yeah. And then they they go back and they decide that was onsides. Something and very that made confusing. Him really <laughs> or no, they don't. They don't. They counted offsides, but then they start extra time and Holland scores in like the first five minutes. Which I would say is a close call for Dortmund. When you think about <laughs> Dortmund, uh, a team who's consistently been the second, uh, you'd argue Dortmund's just the, the second team in German football. Yeah, they play second fiddle to Bayern, even though they're such a huge and historic club. Well, you, you'd say like them, just historical giants, you'd expect them to beat Paderborn 3-0, something like that, but... You get such a, a close score, and it's worrying for such a big club. I mean, right now, you look at the league table, they're in sixth place. I mean, Erling Haaland gets his release clause. It could be like put into effect next season. Teams are going to be bidding way over that if they want him right now in the, for the summer window or whatever happens for him. Like He's going to be leaving soon, so like 
the team they have right now with Jaden Sancho and Erling Haaland, they need to get them into form because this is really one of their best chance domestically and internationally to make make something happen before they got to get into their youth system as they always do tremendously well with. So. I don't know they, what happens. They even from... have some good other players other than the big two. Um, they yeah. got Jaden. They got uh, Jude Bellingham. Very yeah, good hey young Jude. player. Hey yeah, Jude. great guy. And uh, they also got Gio Reyna, of course. The American. The American dream, as uh, Erling Holland calls him. <laughs> and I think those two players have a lot of potential if Dortmund can keep their hands on them and play in such a big European competition like the Champions League, then... Those players will yeah. probably develop into very good players. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, but so, yeah, an interesting thing about the Bundesliga right now, Schalke, I remember growing up watching them with Raul Gonzalez after transferring from Real Madrid, playing with Schalke, getting them in the top four and getting them to play Champions League. And only like eight years later, they're at the bottom of the Bundesliga. I mean, basically, in the kind of red of form that Sheffield United is kind of in, they only have one win, five draws, 13 losses. And now they got a ton of reinforcements. I think it's interesting to look at in the sense that because of the history, because of the culture they have around the club, they got so many players really to come back and to help them out just because of the passion for their club. I mean, Sad Kolesinac terminated, well, my fault, he is loaned from Arsenal, but it was actually Skodran Mustafi who terminated his contract from Arsenal with mutual consent to transfer to Schalke. Klajan Huntelar, also a Schalke legend, transferred. All these players coming in to try to help out the club and save them from relegation. I mean, with a club with such, like, to be... They were basically, at that point in time, 2010 to 2012, they were playing like the third like the third best club in the Bundesliga. And like I enjoyed watching them. Obviously, these guys enjoyed playing for them. I just think I'm excited to see what they could do to hopefully take them out of the relegation zone. Right now, they're 11 points from safety with 15th place Hertha Berlin with 17 points on the season so far. And the outgoing transfers they had, namely, was Ozan Kabak to Liverpool. I wonder what he's going to do for them. He obviously has a 30 million plus option to buy that they will probably trigger in the summer. Right now, he's a short loan fee. And of course, Weston McKennie is out to Juventus from Schalke. So, I mean, I don't know what's in store for Schalke in the Bundesliga, but I just hope for the best for them. It looks like we'll follow them keenly as they look to improve. And uh, hopefully survive. Yeah. I mean, it would be sad to see them go, so... I mean, that's uh, at least my opinion. I don't know honest, about the rest just of you. Last year, I believe, you had Hamburg mm-hmm. get relegated again. Yeah. And you had, uh, what was the other big team that got relegated from the Bundesliga. There was um, one more. I forgot the name. No big. May have been the one Pavard used to play for Stuttgart. I think so, yeah. It was Stuttgart. Yeah, probably. 
they actually had a really good young prospect pool. They had Timo Werner. They had uh, oh, and Young Kimmich. Us also thinking about Hanover. Probably yeah. So you have they also had Kai. Yeah. Yeah, you have a lot of big historical teams languishing in in the second Bundesliga. Hamburger, Dusseldorf. You know, it's. That's football. Yeah, Dusseldorf was historically there. I mean, that's the way you got to hate it. You got to love that part of the game as well. I mean, Sunderland it's really gets, what gets keeps. Two relegations. Yeah, it's what keeps the game interesting. I couldn't imagine a one division league with a championship over and over and teams playing to lose. I mean, it's just not football. <laughs> yeah, it's just not football. That's that's the thing. And I mean, even, even I couldn't like the imagine in Australia, they have something like that, but it's just yeah. not enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But moving on now to La Liga, I wanted to talk about this, especially looking at Diego Simeone's Atletico at the top of the table. <laughs> Outstanding run of form match for Barcelona, both with five wins in their last five, but that really doesn't help Ron- Ronald Koeman's group to anything at all because Simeone's been in fine form. They're in a game in hand, and they have 50 points, 10 points up on Barcelona. Real Madrid is also in third with 40 points. Sevilla is in fourth with 39 points. They just got Papu Gomez from Atalanta. Amazing player. Very underrated. <laughs> I, say, I say this statement that I'm about to say, and people say I'm crazy, but they don't understand what I'm trying to say, is that you got to just disregard when I say Messi in the fact that he goes on the field. Sometimes he plays as a striker in a recessed role. Sometimes he's a cam. Sometimes he plays as a false nine. But he drifts into the half spaces and he finds, sometimes he even drifts between the center backs, the outside backs, finds space to support the ball and the play and anticipate passes. And I just think that's a great transfer for Sevilla, even though it's going to be short-lived because of his age, maybe only a couple years to get out of him and Rakitic. But they could do something special in the Champions League against Chelsea. So, I mean, I'm gunning for them to hopefully do something special. But Atletico, I mean... Getting El Pistolero in that striker was huge to help Xiao Felix, I guess. I mean, Diego Costa is a great guy as well, but I mean, I guess there's something special as about one of the greatest strikers of this generation so far. Still doing it up at like over 35 years old, probably. I don't know his exact age. But, yeah. Also, I just want to say at the beginning of this La Liga season, uh, around the beginning, I was speaking to my dad, and he has a friend from Spain. Mm-hmm. He has a friend from Spain who supports Real Sociedad. Who oh, great, great. Fine. Historically, yeah, good to talk about. Historically, aren't that big of a club. And they were uh, in first for a while before uh, Simeone's Madrid caught up with them and overtook them. But uh, no, they were they were playing very well for a while. They were they were the Spanish Tottenham. Yeah, they've done like they've drawn three times in their last five, lost once, of course, and gotten a win. But David Silva transferred from Man City, had them off to a hot start. Martin Odegaard, of course, namely, was on the team until Real Madrid recalled him from the loan because. He was putting one of their competitors in first place, so Zidane didn't want that. 
<laughs> recalled him from his transfer from his loan. I mean, kind of tragic. Now he's playing on, you know, Arsenal. But um, yeah, Sociedad's really a great team to watch. Um, when you talk about clubs from the Basque Country, first two clubs you think about are Real Sociedad, and you think of Athletic Club from Bilbao. Teams that just recruit from wow. within, find talent, and they've been able to sell off some great products. I mean, Sociedad was one of the teams that took on Antoine Griezmann, developed him to the player he is today. And Bilbao, I just mentioned because you look at how they <laughs> fleeced Chelsea for Kepa Riz Balaga. I still think he'll get a comeback sometime. I think hopefully, he's, hopefully. I think he has some quality left in him. He just needs a chance. Americ Laporte, also from the south of France, gets eligibility as a Basque, uh, being of Basque descent. So they have a, those teams, like Sociedad and Athletic Club, have a history of developing great talent and for Sociedad it looks like it's blossomed into helping them with a perfect blend of young and old so I mean I hope all the best for them in this La Liga season but you wanted to talk about keeping it in Spain but moving on to the Copa del Rey I think you said you watched this one or you just I mean, I heard, heard mention of it I, I just want to mention something the uh, Granada versus Barcelona game was very interesting. So I'm pulling it up right now, but Barcelona, uh, or Granada scores two goals in the first 45 minutes of the game. Let me preface this first off by saying once you get into this, the stats are insane, so keep going. (laughs) Okay, they, they do it in like the first 47 minutes. They have two goals, right? Yeah. And then, uh, no more goals until the 88th minute when Antoine Griezmann scores. And then on the 100th minute, Antoine Griezmann scores again. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, excuse me. Uh, 90th minute, Antoine Griezmann scores. And then, after that, Jordi Alba scores. Uh, to make it 2-2 on the 90th minute with uh, two minutes extra time. So now you go into extra time. And then Antoine Griezmann scores again to make it 2-3 Barcelona. And then um, Vico, I think, scores. I, I don't know. Yeah. He scores a penalty to make it 3-3. Uh, just three minutes after. Just three minutes after Antoine Griezmann scores. Mind you, we, we didn't have like this is just 20 minutes of just goals. And then next up, you have Antoine Griezmann... Sc- or no, you have Frankie uh, de Jong scoring for Barcelona on the 108th minute. And then after that, you have Jordi Alba scoring 113th minute. So you have like a span of 30 minutes. You have how many goals? Probably seven. No, six. You got six goals in, like, most of the game. And yeah, I just want to much. applaud Granada for the very hard, very hard-fought game. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I just look at this and I think it's crazy. Uh, Granada scored three goals. They had seven shots, but only four were on targets. They had a 75% conversion rate. They were efficient in that sense, but Barcelona... Took 36 shooting attempts, 20 shots on target, 
And <laughs> it's really an onslaught of shots for Escandel, the goalkeeper, for Granada. Barcelona, characteristically, had 79% possession, completed nearly five times more passes with 1,061 in the game. So, I mean, if that isn't a typical Barcelona game, aside from the fact that they had to fight back and they weren't really in control of the scoreline, something that has been a similar trend ever since they, really since they lost um, Luis Enrique, and then they went on to Valverde, who had a pretty solid record, but after that it just spiraled out of control, especially with uh, the management group that they had there. But um, also, yeah, I mean, a thriller in that contest there. I do think the just they had a lot of problems there because uh, Messi might have had PTSD or the whole Barcelona team with uh, with Granada having a a player named Luis Suarez. Yeah, him just being the Colombian Luis Suarez. Yeah, the better Luis Suarez, right? Yes, the better Luis <laughs> Suarez because he's Colombian. Yeah, the goat. That's why he's the goat. But the, yeah, uh, but tremendous. Go ahead. No, I I just think the the biggest problem is Barcelona should have should have finished that game. If and I think like leg- if you look, sorry. Yeah, I think if you look at Barcelona, like yeah, obviously they need to take control of the game. Griezmann does a great job to help them in that sense, but like. If you look at this from a long-term perspective, Messi's going to leave in the transfer window. He's I am ninety percent like, sure. He's of not it. performing I, anyway. None yeah. of those goals came. I don't. From I don't. Yeah. I don't even like. I don't even have any insider. I'm not Fabrizio Romano, but like, everyone knows he's going to try to go to Man City, or he's going to try to go to PSG, or he's going to go somewhere that's going to pay him, and he's going to go somewhere with a good team. So like, the real problem with this Barcelona side is being so reliant on having Messi to produce, try to get him to control the game, when teams can realize that they can just lock him down and man-mark him, double-team him, triple-team him if they have to. I think the whole culture, after losing some great players like Puyol in the back and Xavi and Iniesta, the whole culture morphing into being reliant on Messi really isn't healthy for the group. And Honestly, it's not good to wish them a death wish, but I think they're... uh, the best thing for them moving forward is Messi leaving in the, in the summer window. Hopefully see a change for but them trending towards controlling more matches and being a more dominant side as they were. But it is it is a very good thing to see players like Antoine Griezmann and Frankie de Jong scoring now. As yeah, but, Messi leaves, you're going to have players like this stepping up to actually score more. But what were you going to say? Yeah, but when you think about it in in the grand scheme of things as far as like from a financial standpoint, these were all players that they used as fixes, very expensive fixes in fact, for a club that's that was nearly going bankrupt because of all the wages that they have to pay and all of the exorbitant transfer fees that they've made. I mean, Griezmann was like probably over 80 million, Dejong was 75, Coutinho was crazy as well. I mean, they made a lot of money from the Neymar transfer. Yeah. And like, but Messi's wages are still like $39 million a year. And like, even the wages that they play, the rest of their players are exorbitant as well. So like, when you think about Barcelona, what was the first thing that you thought about in 2010? 
What's the heart and soul of Barcelona? Oh, La Masia. Oh, no. No, you think about La Masia Academy. Think about Puyol. You think about, even though Piquet went to Man United, he developed with La Masia. You think of Xavi, Iniesta, and Messi going through the ranks. Nate, Mario Icardi was actually oh, also I'm sorry, no, I was Academy seven graduate. years old. I was seven years old. I was thinking, wow, these guys are winners. <laughs> that also. But, like, all these players are frees. Being able to develop from within is something great that you see with a club like Ajax, obviously, in the Everdiris. Not as competitive, not as big, but, like, being able to have that element of their club really made them successful, and, like, that's sustainable for them. Like, Splashing into the market for these great players is great. Griezmann's still a tremendous player, tremendous talent. Frankie de Jong is going to be great for years to come. But I think for Barcelona to truly get back where they need to be, they need to trust their youth academy. They need to trust the culture they've built there. I'll be and, honest with you. Yeah. I'll be completely honest with you. I think this right here, if, if this isn't managed well, this entire situation in Barcelona right now, mm-hmm. then this could just see a very the Giants fall not the Giants get relegated but just the Giants fall well how far mid-table that's and what mid-table I see means no European implications that means no paycheck yeah. on TV revenue no merchandise and no payout from the big old fat cats in the UEFA organization so exactly. that would be a tough blow for that club but um that but club I mean, that's... being one of the Biggest clubs in the world, Barcelona. But you've yeah, seen, I mean, you've life. seen, Barcelona have dominated Spanish football since the beginning of Spanish football. Mm-hmm. The very first, uh, I think it was, the, it was the first ever Spanish um, season, and it was Real Madrid and Barcelona on top. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt you. With, I think, uh, Athletic Bilbao in third. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's it's no surprise that now it's the same exact teams you see. I mean... I mean, they're still up there, but, like, as far as, like, even if you look at Barcelona and say, oh, second place, that's a great position, you can tell that the quality... Like, when you talk about analytics, advanced analytics in sports, something that you can't tell from that is just the quality of a side. And obviously, that's descended from past times. But, I mean, we'll see if they learn a lesson or we see, we'll see if they improve. But, um, I mean, really exciting stuff from the Liga. I mean, really exciting stuff from all the leagues we've touched on so far. It's, COVID has brought out the best of a lot of things. And well, the worst in a lot of things as well. But, um, I mean, it's really challenged all clubs in all respects, big and small in and, and certain leagues. I would even argue it's just worse mostly in the Premier League. If you look at the points that a, a team would have had at this point now in a different season, just pre-COVID, mm-hmm. I feel like, the, the top team would have much more points, whereas now you have a, a top team has 47 points 20 games in, 21 games in. Well, yeah, at Liverpool getting to like 97 or however much they had last year, yeah, that's... the pace they would have had by now would probably be like at around 
50, 55 points, and they're nowhere near that. So, I feel I mean, like if they had that amount it, of points like, last year right now, they would have been in 10th place or something. Yeah, and like at this point, it's great to see like smaller clubs get involved and get, gain confidence and be able to gain these accolades. Well, at the same time, it has, yeah, it has hurt other clubs and it has hurt some of the players as far as conditioning, fitness, being having to play all these games in such a short little amount of time. But I guess it's learning curve and a physical curve in that sense. But um, moving on to that from that, which is still relevant to the League One or Ligue 1 Uber Eats as they call it in France, Lille at the top of the table. Aiden Hazard's former club. Uh, Olympique Lyonnais at second, two points behind Lille with 49 points. PSG in third. Hassan obviously bossing the midfield in, with Lyon. Monaco in fourth. Ren Ilumendi's former club is in fifth place. Only have one win in their last five, but they're still competing for the European place. And when you ask yourself about League One, usually think, oh, I don't need to ask anything at all because PSG is always going to win that league, cause, as they always have done. Pochettino's at the wheel now. They're in third, only down by a win, though. But, like, what's going on with League One? I don't know. I, I mean, you've got... Yeah, the actual teams in the league are signing quality players as well. Like, Lenz has a very good... A very good goalkeeper from um from Venezuela that used to play in mm-hmm. Colombia, so I know about him. Uh I think he plays I think he's very good. My father said he, he could never make it in uh England because he's too short, being five <laughs> nine. Yeah. Same as Ospina? Yeah, same no, Ospina's five ten. Remember this. <laughs> but uh Yeah. I mean I think that the French League, just in general, will become more competitive in, in Europe, even. With, like, Lille, for example. Yeah, I mean... They didn't have a great saw team in t- Europe, but... Yeah, you saw two French teams get to the semifinals of the Champions League. Then the Bundesliga making an appearance with Leipzig and Bayern Munich. So, I mean, great for the development of leagues called Farmers League by the likes of English football fans, so... But hey, I think and when you look at yeah, when you look at this league, I mean, one thing to look at Marseille, a historically big team in ninth now. I mean, they haven't really been great in European football lately since they lost the likes of Valbuena and Florian Thelvin and Andre Pierre Gignac. They still have Mandanda, I think, but some historic clubs on the decline. Some really with a resurgence. I mean, Lyon doing a great job as well. I mean. Lille's kind of surprised. I know they have Tim Wee, but that's really all I know about Lille at the moment. You know, it's... Lille are probably... I could see them, with my limited knowledge, I could see Lille actually getting the title. Well, in their last five matches that they won, they were playing bottom table teams. But when they played against PSG, they tied them 0-0 in the Europa League clash. They lost to Celtic, as they say in Scotland. Tied I, Milan. I do think that was a... I mean... I would argue that was a little bit of a fluke at this point, because it's been a while, and, and they were in a... 
they were in a group with AC Milan, and they ended in second. They were yeah, with Sparta Prague, Celtic, and AC Milan, and they ended second, which I would argue is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you look at all their results, they're holding their own against... Um, they were holding their own against Lille, and of course PSG, and Monaco, beating Monaco in December shortly short time ago. So, like, all these teams in the French League really stepping up and... When I asked the question earlier about if either smaller teams are getting better with COVID or bigger teams are getting worse, I mean, maybe it's a combination of both. Maybe it's just big clubs getting too comfortable, obviously maybe getting a lot of injuries. But you look at that point and make an argument for that. Every club is getting injuries. I mean, every club's having to play their short schedule, whether they're playing in Europe or not. So... I mean, even I mean, just props, in props to the smaller clubs to just step up and make these changes. I mean, it makes the leagues more fun to watch and more competitive. Just in general, football is already just so rigorous. Like, mm-hmm. and yeah. having to play it week in, week out is just a very difficult thing to do. So, if you're not like a big club who just, I want to preface this: big clubs usually play at the beginning or the end of a the season. They play like two games a week right because mm-hmm. like you got european football or a domestic cup and the regular league yeah. and you'll probably have two different like teams for each of those you could say so so you'd have like around 22 players or something that you like rotate between mm-hmm. for for two games a week where yeah. with a smaller club, you still got 20 players that, that you got to rotate between one game a week, which is a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think that for smaller clubs, they can still have more depth in the long run. Yeah. Unless a big club really already has like the finances to back an even bigger team, like, of, I don't know how many players, like, a first team of 30 players, which isn't realistic. Well, look at Man City, where sometimes, look at their star-studded bench, obviously, even their reserves are still capable players, so, I mean, that would be probably an example, if they were all fit. So, that's, that's the thing, like, you could have a, a big club like Man City, be an example for what you could do as a big football club to to keep depth to make sure you don't get your team doesn't all get injured and you don't ruin your season like Liverpool right now mm-hmm. and but but the thing with that is it's just too costly you're now you're just going to have a, a lower quality of player much lower quality yeah, of players. Yeah, because you gotta pick and choose. You either spend money on proven talent, or you spend less money and trust your scouting team, and trust what you've heard and trust what you see. In some respects, maybe you don't see correctly, and you need glasses after some scouting jobs. Danny drank water, but um, <laughs> yeah. Transfer uh, to the Turkish league. Good for him, at least getting some playing time. 
hope he enjoys it, gets paid. He's already gotten paid so much on the Chelsea bench. But um, on that note, we'll look at Chelsea in the Champions League. They have their new manager, of course, Thomas Tuchel, in charge, doing some pretty good things in the Premier League to get them back at least looking somewhat sharp tactically. They play Atletico Madrid. And I'm really excited for a game like that because I was talking about Sevilla earlier. They played Chelsea in the group stages. Sevilla was very capable opponent against them, a good Spanish league side. Now Atletico, first in the league, playing against Chelsea. Sevilla plays against Dortmund. But, I mean, this Champions League, this Champions League season is going to be amazing to watch. I mean, so many underdogs, so many like untraditional matchups and opponents. Mokin Gladbach playing against Man City. My favorite team, Atalanta, against Real Madrid, which I think they got a legitimate shot at doing so. Lazio against Bayern. Porto against Juventus. This is something I'm excited to see. And Messi versus Neymar with Barcelona and Paris. So, like, there's so many matchups late February, starting from the 16th and the 24th. We'll see the first legs of all those matchups. I mean, I, I could keep going on for hours about these matchups. We only got a limited amount of time, but it's going to be amazing once it starts, starts going. I'm really going to be tuning into every match. I mean, what do you have to say about Porto getting against Juventus? Honest, honest question. I think Porto have a fine team. But they will have to get lucky uh, for the... um... Porto will have to get very lucky if they want to beat Juventus. And I think Juventus needs to stay out of form as well. Yeah, like, I mean, they haven't been in a real run of form obviously Ronaldo's such a game changing polarizing figure in their game but they haven't been great I mean I'd love to see a Porto upset could they replicate what Mourinho did I don't think so I don't think so no but I want to see I would I would 100% support it if they could go on a run like that if they could but I even if they could just go on a run at all to make that dough to set a foundation to to do that maybe in a, a later season mm-hmm. where Mourinho gotta remember he won the Europa League yeah right before he won the Champions League so I mean he got a he got big cash mm-hmm. to actually help him fund that run yeah and even that run made them money but uh that's besides the point I I still think that just getting f- further the further that like a small club in the grand scheme of things Porto is a small club in Europe yeah uh getting like a small club like Porto further into the Champions League will only benefit them in the ro- long run yeah i mean i'm rooting i'm rooting for them <laughs> that's for sure i mean i want to look touch again what i mentioned earlier atletico versus chelsea I mean, some interesting things we could see employed by Thomas Tuchel. I mean, traditionally, for Chelsea have played with a 4-3-3. Sometimes their center striker has uh, kind of dropped back a little bit. When they start Tammy, they like to play more direct, kind of like with Giroud. But um, he's been mixing it up lately. 
Um, in that last match against Burnley, they won 3-0. Azpilicueta getting his first goal of Thomas Tuchel's campaign after they went goalless against Wolves. But um, moving with a 3-4-3, I thought that was a very interesting move from Thomas Tuchel. Breathed life into that squad, and I'm really excited to see what they could come up against Atletico. Even if that proves to be a challenge for him, but... Bringing Marco Alonso into the squad with freedom at left wing back was an amazing move from there. From there, he brought in Jorginho to hold up the ball through the midfield. Really revitalized his career in such a short span of uh, poor form. So, in that matchup, I'm also excited to see Chelsea versus Atletico. I mean, you know who I'm backing against Chelsea. I just think Atletico is going to hold, 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 counterattack, strike. I'd expect to see at least Jao Felix or, or Luis Suarez get on the board and play that typical Simeone style, but it's another great matchup to watch out for. I mean, Camilo, besides that Porto versus Juventus matchup, what's a game that you have to put on or just a team that you're rooting for well, to be honest, the most in that sense? Just uh, I do want to say one thing beforehand on the Chelsea mm-hmm. yeah. uh, dynamic of things. Chelsea is a good squad with a lot, and I mean uh, a lot of depth and I think they can rival uh they can rival Madrid in the long run but I I just think Madrid need to be wary uh on Chelsea because they don't look like a threat right now in their poor form but they could be but just oh I don't I don't think yeah I, I think Madrid continues in poor form I don't see a solution with Zidane right now I mean to me they look very stagnant they have to play through Benzema. They have to play through their older, slower midfield. I just think they need more energy. They need more young young life built into them. And I think that's something for Atalanta to take advantage of them. Um, so, obviously, I'd hope for Atalanta to move past and play the likes of Chelsea or Atletico or Bayern. In that matchup, of course, they'd have to get through Man City first if Man City beats Mokengladbach. But, um, to me, Atalanta versus Real Madrid is a very interesting matchup because Atalanta, kind of similar to where Thomas Tuchel played a 3-4-3, sorry. Atalanta is kind of playing a 3-5-2. Sometimes you might consider it a 3-4-1-2, depending on like the shape. If your fullbacks come uh, deeper on defense. Right now, there was Joaquin Mille and for Hans Hatsubov on the right side, but... um. Duvan Zapata and Luis Murillo, I think, could do damage against Real Madrid with their pace. And Gasparini could opt for that option, but he could also go to Josep Ilicic, the professor, as the Bergamo faithful call him. He's been really a great person to create uh, chances on the ball, whether it's using his skill or using his tremendous shooting ability on his left foot. So whether they used to... Choose to go to a target man or choose to use the pace of Zapata and Muriel. I think they do have a chance to threaten Madrid. And I also think a key thing to look at for Gasperini's squad is they've learned from their loss in the quarterfinal against PSG. They were up 1-0. Gasperini's trademark was always to outscore the opponent. He subbed on a striker, an inexperienced striker, and like De Pauli, I think was his name. And... Ultimately, they lost that game in the 90th minute 2-1 because they conceded goals because they couldn't get fresh legs on in defense and they couldn't learn the chess 
park the bus and take what you have sometimes in certain situations. Sometimes you got to be Mourinho. Yeah, so I think, especially when I was watching Atalanta against Ajax, where they just waited, they were patient, they held their structure. They didn't go full-out anarchist mode and try to attack <laughs> all the time in senses that they used to do last season. And they held a 0-0 uh, score until Ajax got a red card and they scored immediately right after. So I think that patience they learned from PSG will help them in these knockout rounds. And that's why I think they have a legitimate shot against Real Madrid. Get up early control the pace of the game with their high counter-pressing and see where it goes from there. But I hope for the best for Atalanta, and I think Gasparini can do the job with them. Obviously, there's two legs in this edition. Not like last season, so more chances to do damage, but Atalanta playing from home in this matchup, so they try to limit the amount of goals that Real can get with still the experience up front with Benzema. But um, that was my matchup that I'm, of course, looking at as a... Here, Atalanta I wanna, faithful. I do want to do a little fun thing with you. Yeah. Um. Let's. So you got a lot of matches coming up in both. The, yeah. Uh, you've got a lot of matches. Sorry, I got distracted by a a bug. <laughs> um. You have a lot of matches coming up with both the Champions League and the Europa League. Yeah. So I'm just going on Google and I'm going to read every single one of them. And how about both of us just talk about each game just for uh, a few minutes each or a few seconds, I don't know. All right, like rapid fire? Yeah, yeah. Okay, All RB right. Leipzig versus Liverpool. Liverpool in their current form. Um, I still think they win because... Leipzig has been great still, even without Timo Werner, but I just don't think Yusuf Poulsen and the Danny Olmo and other strikers they have get the job done. I still think Liverpool has quality attacking options. Liverpool for that one. I think what Liverpool lacks in defense right now, they'll make up for just in the front. So yeah, I agree, Liverpool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Barcelona versus PSG. I mean, you got to pick PSG, I guess, in that yeah. sense, because they they used to have that uh, their struggles in the round of sixteen. They got to the quarterfinals, then they got to the round of sixteen again. Continued losing, they couldn't seem to get past their uh, inexperience in the knockout stages. Then getting to the finals in that single elimination edition last season really proved that they weren't just a farmers league team. They weren't just an elementary squad. They have world class players. They had Cavani last season. They had, of course, Neymar, Di Maria, Mauro Icardi, Marco Verratti. So when we were just talking about Barcelona maybe 30 minutes ago in their form, they still have... It's kind of the case of where Chelsea is temporarily right now, but Chelsea will rebound. Where you have a lot of talented players. Maybe you look at Kai Havertz and Timo Werner. You have a lot of talent, but... You can't really figure out how to put it to use and create one unified single vision and system to play cohesively. And I think that's, even though it sounds like such a little thing that can be just fixed instantly, I just don't see Barcelona advancing past PSG. They're too strong and Barcelona is too chaotic right now from their ownership to the whole messy dilemma and beyond really. 
uh my quick two cents on that is PSG as well. Yeah. Two reasons I think uh with the uh, Pochettino now coaching them, I I think they've regained a bit of confidence. Mm-hmm. Uh and I also just don't think Coleman will be a strong enough leader for Barcelona. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. All right, next Sevilla Sevilla versus Dortmund. And this is another case of Dortmund in bad form. They would be playing their match exactly a week from today. So, honestly, I'd be rooting for Sevilla in the sense that I, I want to see an untraditional opponent go through. But do I think they have the quality? Absolutely. I mean, bringing in Papu Gomez, I'll rave about it all the time just because I'm such a big fan of the way he plays. But I think they're built for success considering all the other players that they have. I mean, Jesus Navas on defense played for Man City. He's such a great speedy uh, dual-use fullback and winger in some senses. Lucas Ocampos in the midfield bossing it with Rakitic and Papu, who's going to play ahead of them. So they've got depth. they got a balanced squad. Can they put it to use? Can they hold it for a result against a talented Dortmund attack? I mean, I think they could. But at the same time, Dortmund could. I'd say this goes either way. I mean, be satisfied with either team going through. But I'd want to give Sevilla the first leg just because of the new look with Papu Gomez. I think he's that much of a game changer for that squad. For me, I think... Papu Gomez is a good player. I think he's a great player. But I think uh, the reason he's so rated is because of his impact in Atalanta. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, he played a very vital role in Atalanta. So that's why he was so important. And that's why he was such a good player. I guess you could say that's why he was such a good player. And he was so important to the team. But mm-hmm. you put him in a Sevilla squad. I, I don't think he's as important to the football there. Do I think he's a and good player? Dortmund, yes, but I I yeah, still think Dortmund. Dortmund I still think Dortmund have a little leg up, just with the quality of players, most mm-hmm. as well. But um, yeah. So for me, it's Dortmund. All okay, right. next we got Porto Juventus. We we already really talked about this, but uh. Yeah, I mean, realistically, Juventus would win, but out of form, Juventus still at this point. I mean, you know about more about Porto than I do, so I would. Ch- I'm just gonna chalk it down and say, I'd hope for a Porto win. I hope the for underdog, a Porto but... win, but uh, realistically, it's going to Juventus. I think if Porto. I think it, Porto's got some very good kids that, that could pull through. Um, yeah, I mean, you know. They have the likes of Taremi. They have uh, Luis Diaz. They have uh, Corona. So. Mm-hmm. Jesus Corona. Yeah, they've got a lot of good players. I and, mean, I look at I look at you to talk about Porto, and I think about Luis Diaz instantly. Yeah. Young guy out of Colombia. I mean, just because they're from Colombia doesn't mean they can be a goal scorer, but... Him being a striker with the goal-scoring ability, I mean, 
If he, I, I mean, guess you'd hope he get the luck for anything to happen. And that, to be and honest, that he, I don't even think he usually plays striker. He always plays left wing. But uh, I could see that kid going up on the striker position and scoring a few goals. That might just well, be me. But what's I their starting know. formation? Um, to be honest, I'm not sure. Do they play like a four three three or a four four two? You could see them maybe playing a four four two, try to simplify things defensively. I know, I could definitely like, see that. yeah, like namely, um, Arteta plays a four three three out of possession, but it'll switch sometimes to a five four one or a four five one out of possession in defense. So, like, I was wondering if they might do something like that, and maybe if Porto defended. So yeah, and they have the likes of Oliveira and uh, Uribe in their mm-hmm. central midfield. I yeah. I think they're. They have a bit of a weak defense. <laughs> they have Pepe in there, but <laughs> yes, he's the a bit washed up, you could say. He's a, he's a Real Madrid legend. I don't care what anyone else says. He's I don't care about the red old. cards, the yellow cards, the injuries to op- <laughs> opposition players. I see that guy. I remember him with his bald haircut. Now he has <laughs> hair for some reason. That makes no sense. But yeah, he... With Sergio Ramos in midfield was an elite defense. I don't care what anyone else says. He's still got it. You're right. Um, so I'm going to chalk it up to Porto, actually. I'm going to chalk it up to an, a very informed Porto. We'll give them an informed benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Okay, next, Atletico Madrid versus Chelsea. I give it to Atletico just because of the system, the discipline, playing for the manager, yeah. playing for the badge. They're just, they're just too strong defensively. And like you look at Mourinho playing a similar system, but he's still not fully uh, made an impact on his players or maybe not had the players that fit his system. I'd argue, it's been a little bit porous at times. And Atletico, on the other hand, Savage on defense with Felipe, Kieran Trippier on the outside with Renan Lodi have been tremendous on the flanks supplying crosses. Angelito Correa, Yannick Ferreira Carrasco, on the other hand, pushing up towards the midfield, have been outstanding as well. And I mentioned Joe Felix and Luis Suarez as well, maybe like 20 minutes ago, but they have been crucial this season for Atletico getting goal scoring. And you talk about a Spurs team, not to knock on Spurs, with relying on two players to score goals. But you take out El Pistolero and you take out Joe Felix and Sint with a synergistic relationship with him. And you might lose some of that goal-scoring threat. But I think having those two slotted in there really help complete their squad. They really lead the press. They launch a full... Um, they really launch a press on when they don't have the ball and they start with the two forwards charging towards the center backs to dictate where the ball is played out of the back. So I think those two players full of energy are really important for the squad. And they're so disciplined with the system that Atletico pulls free with Thomas Tuchel not having a lot of time to run drills through this Chelsea team. I completely agree. Uh, Completely, 100%. Chelsea have quality players, but I I mean, even then, Atletico Madrid, the, the system, the players, it's... It goes to Madrid for me. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, Lazio versus Bayern. I mean, this is. This is. This I gotta is love. Just... I gotta love Lazio because one of the good friends of the show, Reese Kaplan, always plays with Lazio on FIFA and loves supporting Lazio when I support yeah. Atalanta. They got a great goal scorer in Chiro Immobile. I love mentioning Sergei Milinkovic Savic just because of his amazing name, but also his great midfield ability. But um, they got. They also have Luis Alberto creatively in the midfield, but Bayern Munich's been Bayern Munich and. It's There's just, been no it was stopping a death them for the they, past er, er, years. It's crazy. Yeah, they just got unlucky in this sense. I mean, I got to give it to Byron. I'm sorry. Yeah, me too. I mean, but Hansi Flick playing his high line, they've really been able to impose their will on op- on the opposition. If you if you really break it down tactically, which we both have, you see how Byron plays. Like you talk about a press from Atletico, they play a mid block. Burnley, just for context plays a low block where they drop everyone back, they sit on top of the 18-yard box, and they force the opposition wide or backwards and make sure that they don't get centrally on goal. Atletico plays a bit block, starts from their forwards, they try to intercept the ball in the midfield and press when they're vulnerable. Bayern, on the other hand, put their defenders on the half line, send their forwards on the center backs, send their midfielders up on the wing backs, and have everyone pressing, as Jurgen Klopp would call, heavy metal football. And I think that's just too much for many teams right now, especially a Lazio side. So, I mean, you got to give it to Hansi Flick, who's transformed this Bayern squad. So, I think they could defend the title again this year. I, yeah. I mean... Heavy metal football. Yeah, I mean, that was one of his famous quotes that I've seen on all these, uh, like, news outlets and then some, yeah, I've seen, like, some satire on it, and he's just, like, it was, like, a a video replay of him after a press conference saying, heavy metal football, heavy metal football. <laughs> uh, I agree with And you I was mind. like, yeah, Jurgen Klopp breathed it into existence with his Dortmund squad early on, lots of high-energy pressing, and Hansi Flick has just taken that to a whole other level, I mean... The way he's really transformed the side has been spectacular, and I, I really enjoy watching it. And at the same time, when I see a team I like play against Bayern, I like when it's exploited. So there's pros and cons to playing such a high line, but Hansi Flick puts pressure on at the right times with all of his players and personnel he's been able to work great with, and I don't think there's any stopping Bayern at the moment. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. Okay, next we got Atalanta versus Real Madrid. Yeah, I don't think I sound deluded when I say Atalanta will win, but some people might if they don't know Atalanta or they just hear the name Real Madrid historically, having all the success they've had in the past. But I agree with you completely. I still back Atalanta. I think they get off to a hot start. I think it's a system that's fresh and new that Real Madrid hasn't had to experience. I... The Spanish league doesn't have a lot of the new Italian management... It doesn't have a lot of new management styles that the Italian league has. You see Sassuolo in eighth place playing a similar system with three in the back and high pressing. Similar to Atalanta, pressing off the mid-block. So, like, I just think this breath of fresh air from Atalanta into Real Madrid and all of the great dedicated players to the badge and the coach... Meanwhile, on the other hand, Real Madrid's struggling to find form. 
Real Madrid has Under only Zidane. won one of their last five games and have tied one of their last five games. Yeah, I mean, even though Atalanta lost Papu Gomez, they brought in some depth personnel, and I think El Profesor and Josep Ilicic and your Colombian boys and Duvan and Murillo maybe off the bench will just bring a lot of energy to the squad. I think they get goals early, and I think they learn from their mistakes last year, and they get a result. That's my take on it, at least. I completely agree. Atalanta for 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 Champions League. Yeah, it sounds crazy for most people, but hey, okay. I'm pushing all the way for Atalanta. Okay, this I last think one. They learn. This last one, I don't really need to ask, but uh, Monchen Gladbach versus Man City. Yeah, Man City. One of them are I, in form. I love one the of them are out of form. Man City. Yeah, I love watching Monchen Gladbach because, like, especially when they played those matches against Inter and they played against Real, and. They also use a kind of unique system where they play a 3-5-2, but they play similar to Simeone in the sense that they mark up the two center backs and they just try to collapse and wait for to invite pressure in the midfield. Once they do that, their win against Bayern where they won 3-2 like maybe two weeks ago, all of their goals were off the press. They won back possession, two passes, boom, goal. And that's the way they play. So if they're able to find Man City, teams that like playing out of the back, like Real Madrid, like maybe Barcelona, Man City, of course, under the master of Tiki Taka and Pep Guardiola, I think that's something they could use their pressing to try to exploit, but they'd have to be perfect on the press and they'd have to be perfect defending. And I don't think they do that against a Man City side with the underrated GOAT, John Stones, and just a really great unified attack from the midfield on. So Man City's just been tremendous in the Premier League, and I think they continue to do that in the Champions League. I think they get their first UCL title. They could challenge for it. I think they're a legitimate contender. I agree. I uh, agree with that completely. Now... I have two questions for you. Yeah. Or a quite, uh, would do you want to look at Europa League games now, or do you want to look at just the FA Cup and Carabao Cup? Well, the Europa League, I know some things about, but I'll just I'm not sure really, about the results. Yeah. Let's go for a brief one. Let's just go rapid fire. Yeah. Okay. Real Sociedad, right. Man City. Man City. Yeah. Okay. In the FA Cup? No, no, no. Uh, yeah, oh, Man United. Versus Man United. Why did I say Man oh, City? I said I'm Man thinking City. Sociedad because yeah. I haven't, not that I have an agenda against Man United, but I don't think they're for real in any competition. So, okay. Sociedad. I'll, I think Man City's kind of got a slight edge. So, okay. Wolfsburg, Tottenham. Tottenham. Same. Wolfsburg doesn't have KDB anymore. <laughs> Olympiacos, PSV. PSV, they've had a lot of good young talent. Uh, Sam Lammers transferred to Atalanta, and Steven Bergwijn transferred from PSV. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I... they probably have, if they brought some good youth products out from over the years, I think they continue to do so. For with me, their it's, Europa I League don't matchups. Know. 
I don't know. Honestly, I'm kind of in between. Yeah. Uh, okay, Slavia Praha, Leicester City. Leicester City, Yuri Tielemans, also very underrated. As a Spurs Bosses fan, the midfield. As Go a ahead. Spurs fan, I am worried about Leicester City taking that uh, Europa League title. Yeah, also as a low-key Leicester City fan because of Tielemans, I support them in the Premier League. And I hope they do qualify for the Champions League this year. It would be great for them to get into that. But I think Yuri Tielemans, youngest player to make his Champions League debut. UCL history right there. 15 years, 9 months for, uh, I believe it was uh, like Antwerp or Club Bruges or some of, one of the big clubs in Belgium. All right, yeah. But he's just a tremendous player out of the midfield, holding the ball up in defense. Just reliable guy. Does all the little things right. I'm one of the biggest Yuri Tielemans fans people will ever meet, and you'll think that I'm crazy. But just watch him in a game. And yeah, the Foxes got James Madison doing bits for them. Really transformed after he was told, hey, you need to fight for an England spot. Start getting on the ball more. Start creating chances. And he's done that in the EPL. James Justin, Timothy Castagna have been outstanding on the outside flanks. Oh, Castagna has been. Ooh. Yeah, when he's when he's not injured, he's been injured twice now. He's been great. So I yeah. think the Foxes, Foxes are in for Europa League win and a run of form in the P- EPL as well. All right, next you got Young Boys versus Bayer Neverkusen. I mean Leverkusen. Gotta love having a Swiss club involved in European competitions. BSC Young Boys. But, um, you gotta give it to Leverkusen. I don't really know much about them besides they had Kai Havertz. And they also had Abu Dhabi with pace up front. So I guess he's their game changer. You know who they do have? I'm not sure if he's back. Oh, their goalkeeper is, uh. Yeah, go ahead. No, you go on. A very interesting random fact that I learned from FIFA and Google. Their goalkeeper is Lukas Radecki, but guess where he's from? Where? Well, it would sound Czech or sound like he's like Eastern European, but he's really from Finland, so he was probably a Finnish immigrant. But I just find that interesting that he plays with Timo Puki of Norwich City. But um, yeah, so solid goalkeeper there, so they'll probably take the win. All right. Um, Yeah. They also have Santiago Arias. I'm not sure if he's back from injury. Oh, yeah. I think he was on loan from Atletico. Quality player as well. But he's injured. Because of that horror tackle in in the qualifying rounds. Or, or, yeah, in the Mm -hmm. World Cup qualifying against Venezuela. (laughs) Okay, next you got Cervena Zvezda versus AC Milan. Who are these people? Yeah, I don't know the. Yeah, I mean, now you're getting into like clubs like Ludogorets or something like that in Lithuania. I so I mean, I'd have to go with AC Milan. They're they're Hakan a Serbian super quality. league team. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I th- I think that they've got this one. I I think Milan's losing this one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, Ibrahimovic doesn't have anything on uh, on those. Serbian plumbers. Okay, next yeah, you absolutely. got uh, Dynamo Kiev versus Club Bruges. 
Oh. Which looks like a good line. Uh, it looks like a good game to me. Yeah, Dynamo Kiev isn't a bad side at all. Ukraine does have some good talents. Oh, yeah. Atalanta recently yeah. bought another Ukrainian player on top of having Ruslan Malinovsky. But uh, yeah, Ukraine is... Don't underrate them. They mean, not bad. But also, when you look at Belgium and the talents they've produced, such a small footballing country on the rise, I'd have to give it to Club Bruges. They uh, nearly beat Man, beat Man United last season until they got a red card in the second leg of the round of 32. So I'd give it to Bruges. I... I'm going to mix it up and give it to Kiev. Nice. That's fair. <laughs> They're a good side. Yeah. Okay, Braga versus Roma. I'm just going to go first for this one. As yeah. much as I love Portuguese football, I think Roma's got this in the bag. Yeah, Braga gives me so much nostalgia just seeing when they were like a really good side in Portugal like one year. Yeah. And I saw them on FIFA. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But... I'd have to give it to the other side here, but I was just not going to pull through. It's unfortunate, but oh well. Next, you got Krasnodar versus Dynamo Zagreb. I think Krasnodar was the team that played uh, either Leicester or Spurs. But um, who, were, who else were they playing? Dynamo? Dynamo Zagreb. The big Croatian team. Yeah. Give it to Croatia, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, I will as well. Give it to Dynamo. Okay, Lil versus Ajax. Ajax. Really? Actually, now that I think about it, it's actually tough because Lil's first in, yeah, in the league right now. For me, it's Lil. Ajax still is a good squad, but I mean... I think as good as Ajax is... At the same time, I haven't watched that much of Lil, so I'd have to watch some games to judge them more, but... I'll give it to Ajax just for the fun of it because they have a good squad and a very, a very good coach in Eric Ten Hag. So, okay, I'm gonna go for yeah. Lil just because it's the same spelling as my friend's girlfriend's name. <laughs> okay, next you got Benfica versus Arsenal. Ooh, I'm Benfica. going Benfica. Benfica. Easy, easy dub for Benfica. Who the f Arsenal? Who? Although they do yeah, have Odegaard now. But I don't like you, Arsenal. Next, you got Molde, a, uh, a club that versus Hoffenheim. Molde was, wasn't that uh, managed by uh, Ole? Yeah, that was Molde in Sweden? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, managed by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Okay. I think that I'm not sure if Erling Haaland actually played there I on loan think, or not. I think he played. I want to say he did yeah, play yeah. under Ole at one time. But also the main little tidbit of information from that is that that was Latin Ibrahimovic's first club. Okay. Molde IF. So yeah, I give it to Molde. Um, I'd, I'd say Hoffenheim maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, think they just... They've been in very good form. They've beat FC Köln. They've yeah. blown. Uh, they've beat Hertha. And... You know why I wouldn't give it to Hoffenheim? Why? Because their owner has ruined the 50 plus 1 rule in Germany. Ah. 
Yeah, mm -hmm. in Dreineca Arena. Dietmar Hopp bought 96% of the club in a takeover. And so now the fans don't really own it. It's kind of like RB Leipzig. Uh, Russian ball sport Leipzig. But, I mean, he's looking to do what they did in Leipzig, I guess. Hoffenheim also isn't actually in Hoffenheim. But it is. It's they actually, are 12th of the league right now, so. Yeah, it's actually in a village that's 30 minutes away because the real city only, Hoffenheim, or township, only has 5,000 people. Fun fact, our local baseball team who made it to the World Series, the Tampa mm -hmm. Bay Rays, are technically not in Tampa. They are in St. Petersburg. Petersburg. Yeah, okay. So next you got Tel Aviv versus Shakhtar Donetsk. Donetsk. I'm taking Donetsk. Yeah. Quality side. Yeah, Shakhtar. As much as I want to see the uh, Israelis... Uh, Make it to a Euro Europa League final. Yeah. Don't think it's happening. Oh, this is a good one. You know what I respect about Shakhtar? Huh. Which I don't really respect, but I guess they just wanted to chase the bag. Was they had a chance to beat Inter Milan and try to get into the UEFA Champions League round of 16, but instead they just parked the bus for a tie so that they could get Europa League because they thought they could make more money winning that competition. <laughs> Do I respect it? Not really, but I mean, it's kind of smart. No, I respect moves. it. I respect yeah. it. Okay, next you've got Antwerp versus Rangers, which I got two things to say here. Antwerp are the team that beat Spurs 1-0. Mm -hmm. Not much of an achievement, though. Uh, and Rangers are <laughs> in the form of their lives. Yeah. Rangers might win... The Scottish League. Under who, must I say? Stevie G. In the quickest, yep. like, time ever. Yeah. So, for me, I'm just gonna have to give it to Rangers. Ten times over. They have 75 points right now. They're 23 points over Celtic right now. Alright. So, um, next you have the meeting of two Colombians, Granada versus Napoli, with Luis Suarez on the Spanish side and Ospina between the sticks for the Italian side. I'm taking Napoli quite simply there. Me too, me too, but, uh... They got Insignia and Mertens up front that's just lethal, and Koulibaly on defense is unstoppable. I mean, yeah, but I'd say Granada are still a quality side. Yeah, fair, fair play to them. And lastly, in this round of 32, you've got RB Salzburg versus Villarreal. Oh, that's interesting. Santi, if Santi Cazorla was still there, I would give Villarreal the instant, the instant, uh, the instant win, I guess, prediction, but former club of Takumi Minamino and Erling Haaland, and uh, they got another really good transfer to uh, Leipzig from Salzburg, but really a great talent factory they got in Austria, so I mean, I'd have to give it to them. They are a Red Bull club. They are a Red Bull yeah. club. 
Yeah, I'd um, probably give it to them as well. Mad respect, though. Yeah. I mean, you said you're getting into the FA Cup right now. It looks like we're close to the quarterfinals. In that sense, correct me if I'm wrong, if we're in, like, the sixth round or something like that. No, Such a are... huge championship. We're in the... Let me check, actually. I think we're in the sixth round. Yeah, because I know... Fourth round. We're in that... the fourth round. I know that the Blades are still in, and I've been rooting for the Blades. But yeah, at this at this stage of the competition, you start getting a lot of great matchups. Leicester versus Brighton. Man City fifth versus round. Swansea. Uh, oh yeah, Everton versus right now. Tottenham. Very interesting matchup. Yeah, it's a very interesting matchup in my household as my dad's an Everton supporter and I'm a Tottenham supporter. So Yeah, I'm just happy to watch Sheffield United play Bristol City. Yeah, I can't wait. Imagine to see the 17th place team getting to the Europa League. I say 17th right. place because my bold prediction is that Sheffield United will not get relegated. That's what I hope. Well, they deserve to stay up. Effects. Overlapping center backs. You got Wolves versus Southampton, which are two quality sides. Yeah, I love watching the Portuguese national team. Minus <laughs> Bruno Fernandes and Bernardo Carvalho yeah. Silva. When are they going to sign? Uh, when will Wolves sign Ronaldo is my next question. Also, the, uh, the best matchup, I'd say, of this whole fifth round... The best joke matchup and the best real matchup. Let's go with the joke one first. Swansea versus Man City. Yeah, Swansea's not a bad side, but it's just a joke because Man City's going to destroy them. Yeah, unfortunate, but true. Yeah. And then you got Man United versus West Ham. Yeah, West Ham. Hammer's all in, baby. They're going to take it. Yeah. And, uh... Weird how Tottenham had to go from... Playing against a team like Marine, to playing against Wickham, to now playing against Everton. Very yeah, it's right crazy there. that they're playing Everton, but like... It's crazy that they they played Marine. Hey, that's the magic of the FA Cup, as they say. Honestly, they played in a... Backyard. It was a very interesting game. I loved it. Yeah, so, real quick, we got eight matchups. I'll read them to you, and you make your picks. All right. Real quick, Leicester versus Brighton. Leicester versus Brighton. Um, I, I, uh, I gotta, I gotta back the uh, Brightons here. You know, whatever they are, Ooh. the Swans. What are they? Because I, I like, know they're probably yeah. not gonna win, but they've just beat Tottenham and Liverpool. I can see them building off of this current like form and i could see them turning this into a win hey you know what i would say about them is don't uh count out adam lana when he's kicked out of the liverpool whatsapp <laughs> he's out for blood when that happens you know you're right story of that is that dejan lubrin uh mohammed salah's best friend uh with liverpool who plays for Zenit now after he left, he was still in the WhatsApp group chat that's run by, I believe, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain or one, maybe Hendo or one of the captains. And after Lalana was uh, taken on a free to Brighton and Hove, uh, they immediately removed him from the group chat. So 
little bit of bad blood there, and he got his revenge with a 1-0 victory today. So good for him. Yeah, you know, and respect. Great form under Graham Potter. Um, I backed the Foxes because of Yuri Tielemans, but um, moving on, Man City versus Swansea. You know, I got to back Swansea. I got to back the Swans here, you know. We're going to make yeah, it back and, to the Prem, in it? I mean, my favorite part about watching Swansea City is that they're the only Welsh team in the English Premiership. It just makes so much sense well, to have a were. Welsh team in the English Football League system. Yes. Yes. Everton versus Tottenham. You know, you call my dad, Juan, he's going to be like, Everton, for sure, Everton. <laughs> He's gonna say we have the likes of Tom Davies. I hate Thomas. That's what he's gonna say. He's gonna talk about how he hates Thomas. Me on the other hand, anyone that talks about Tom Davies as a quality player is uh no, he he doesn't. Very he doesn't even know who Tom Davies is. Exactly. Yeah. So I I gotta back my my boys in blue here. My uh, Tottenham or my boys in Chelsea white. versus Chelsea versus Barnsley. Obviously. Um Chelsea. What? Are <laughs> Barnsley in championship or League One? Championship, right? I think they're in like League One or League Two. No. Yeah. They're in championship. No, they played down in Forest, so they're in championship. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean long road up from them. I mean they used to be in the fourth division. Um right. long time big ago. Big up, big up. Wolves versus Southampton. You know, I gotta go at South or Wolves here. I know that Southampton yeah, I mean, has the likes of of Ings and uh, and James, James Ward Prowse, but I still think Wolves just with Diego. What what's his name? The the young kid that never starts. He looks like Alfie from HITC7s. Oh, Fabio Silva? Yeah, Fa- I think Fabio Silva is a very good player who can help them. And I think Raul Jimenez is also just insane up front. Yeah, Raul still has coming back from that skull fracture. But Fabio Silva has been starting, trying to get into form. He's only scored two goals in maybe like 17 games or something like that. but. I believe. Good for him to get the experience. I believe in him. Sheffield United versus Bristol City. I pick Sheffield United because up the blades, but I don't know about you. Yeah, up the blades, up the blades. Man United versus West Ham. Up the hammers. Up the hams, up the hammers. I mean, Saeed Benrama's been great for them. Suchek and Rice I mentioned earlier. I forgot to mention Benrama in a playmaking role behind Antonio. I mean... Doing bits for them, and they're going to do a great job. I think they'll get a win against Man United. So you know, I said we'll see what they do in the FA Cup and the Prem too. Go ahead. I I said before the season even started, I said to my friend, "Uh, you watch the Premier League?" He said, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. I said, "Yo, <laughs> yo, I hope West Ham get relegated." <laughs> That's what I said to him. <laughs> There's uh, a kid. My college last semester that always went to the dining hall in a West Ham jersey, and I always wondered why, and now I know why. Because he knew they were going to be the fifth place team midway through this 2020-2021 campaign. No, nah, so. it's because he, 
He got the exclusive. He got the exclusive to the JL League. Yeah, good for him on at least not being a bandwagon supporting West Ham, but... You know, yeah. All right. Lastly, Sean Dykes Burnley against our very own Bournemouth. You know, bring back Eddie Howe. Um, I know Burnley's a, a, a top-tier team, but I still, I will still back Bournemouth because they got the Colombian, they got Jefferson Lerma, who's controlling that defensive midfield. And I know they've sold a lot of players since being relegated, but I still think they have the likes to just make it, just squeeze it out of Burnley. Honestly, can't argue with that. Um, also, keeping it, yeah. Uh, no, wait, continue. Well, go ahead before I go. Oh, I thought you were. Uh, also, I'm I'm not sure if they're they're not in super good form, but I could still see Bournemouth coming away with this one. <laughs> I wouldn't argue with their attacking abilities. Sean Dykes always very defensive, very rigid. So I mean. If you can break through his low block, it's not like they're going to have much of an attacking threat going against you. So, I mean, props to Bournemouth if they could get past Sean Dyke. But um, last thing for the last segment of our show, you wanted to bring up the AFL Cup final. A ways away, April 25th, Man City versus Tottenham. A chance for Jose Mourinho to bring silverware to their empty cabinet full of dust. Harry Kane should be back by then. Him and Son doing bits for them as usual. But, um... What do you think will happen in that match? I think uh, first minute, KDB is going to have a cross and uh, it's going to count offsides. Uh, KDB is going to cross in the ball, and um, I don't, I don't know who. Just Sergio Grail's going to fucking going to slide and. And hit it in, but it's going to be, be counted as offsides. Yeah, it's assuming Sergio Guerrero doesn't get injured for the third time this season. Yeah, but, well. And that also assumes that Jesus takes his spot and actually knows how to score goals. But, um. And then. Yeah, Man City's been quality, and we say it like this, but. I mean, who's telling is going to be healthy? And. Wait, wait, Who I knows what's going to happen three months game. from now? I got to predict the rest oh, of the yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then. Um, seventeenth minute. Sergio Reguilon is going to run up the field, and he's gonna cross it to Son, and Son is gonna get a beautiful ball into the top left of the net, and Ederson's just gonna miss it. Ederson's just gonna miss it, and then at the twenty ninth minute, um, Son is gonna get a bicycle kick. Into he's gonna get a bicycle kick goal, and then at the the forty third minute, Harry Kane is he's gonna shoot the uh, he's just gonna make a goal. He's just gonna score a regular old boring goal. Regular old Harry Kane. Yeah. Back and into the defender, minute, make him flip over you. Fiftieth <laughs> minute, uh, Harry Kane's gonna finish it off. Uh, or not Harry Kane. Son's gonna finish off his hat trick. 
and then uh the uh 89th minute Kevin De Bruyne is gonna score. And so your final score? Four one Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have a final score in mind, but I don't know. It's all the way in if April. You look so. at, if you look at, yeah, if you look at continuity and you look at the depth that Man City has, and you look at the talent that John Stone has on the football pitch and off the football pitch as a prolific dancer, among other things. But um, oh yeah, that was honestly. I think he's just going to carry that defense with Ruben Dias and the attacking threat that they have going forward once they get Aguero back. Slotting in as the ten, a and they could party. put in Sterling. They could put Torres. They could put Mares on this flank as well. I mean, a, a possibilities little... are endless for Pep squad. I'm be honest, Jared. Yeah. Sorry for interrupting you. Yeah, go ahead. Getting tired, but I I think John Stones is gonna be out with a hamstring issue <laughs> for like two weeks right before it. Unfortunately, yeah, not but it's be not, able to play. It's not a problem because then they just bring in Americ Laporte starting French center back. So, oh no, Americ Laporte, he, he's gonna have already terminated his contract by then. He's gonna go back to Athletic Bilbao. Yeah, he's he just terminated his contract because um he was just tired of Pep's hair. Yeah, I mean, Pep I would kept be using his well. shampoo. Honestly, I would be so jealous of Pep in that respect, but um well, I disease you more. Yeah, I mean, I guess can't see what happens 3 months from now, but we'll discuss it later on as we approach that date. I mean, yeah. A lot of stuff we had covering today Premier League full of action, full of volatility in the standings. Anyone could win it. Bundesliga seeing Dortmund out of form, Schalke getting back in stride. La Liga, unpredictable in some respects. Atletico taking a commanding lead, and of course, the Copa del Rey as well, providing some interesting action. League One is hot as well. Really just a ton of teams that have unpredictably taken up a more prominent role in their leagues. Really made everything interesting, and we just love watching. We love bringing it to you. Hope you follow along with them and us. Champions League action is coming soon as well. We'll continue to cover that along with all the domestic leagues. Really had a great time piloting this episode. We'll continue to do this so as we look to experiment with a bi-weekly, two-weekly schedule. Don't really know how that's going to work since this is the Goal Hour podcast that has gone much over an hour Somebody in this episode. Double. Yeah, but, maybe uh... 2.5 times, but... um. For the show, at least, I'm Jared Johnston with Camille Yepes. We're glad to bring this to you. We'll look to continue to do so. Find us on Spotify and YouTube. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay updated on those platforms for next episodes and more daily content. Thank you for joining us. And wherever you're watching, have a great day or good night. Episode 2 coming out soon.